Welcome to the 16th episode of the Lebanese Physicians uh, Podcast. Today, we will be discussing electives in the United States, how to apply for them, the experience that people have in them, and recommendations on what to do when you get an elective and an observership and differences between observerships, electives, and research electives. Today, we have with us Dr. Nisreen Kawa, who is a graduate of the American University of Beirut Faculty of Medicine with an MD degree. Subsequently, went and did a postdoctoral fellowship at uh, Mass General Hospital in the, in the dermatology department uh, over there, and uh, now currently is doing her uh, master in public health in uh, in Boston. And uh, congratulations, Nisreen, too, because next year you will be doing your pre- preliminary uh, year at Yale Waterbury Hospital, uh, mm-hmm. prior to hopefully matching in dermatology the year after. And our other guest is uh, Dr. Samer Nasser, who I've known for a uh, very long time since uh, medical school. Uh, he is uh, a uh, nephrologist and currently practicing in Boston with uh, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Group. Uh, welcome, uh, Samer. Welcome, Nisreen, uh, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I'm going to start first asking uh, Nisreen. So Nisreen, because you are uh, the youngest uh, <laughs> one among us by far. And you recently applied for electives and observerships in the U.S. and ended up also getting doing a postdoctoral research fellowship. So, can you just tell us a bit about your experience uh, applying for observerships and uh, electives? How easy was it? How hard was it? And uh, what your experience with it was? Sure. So. I must start by giving a little caveat. I know that lots of things are changing nowadays, especially with uh, people's inability to come to the States because of COVID, changes in visa status, and the um, upcoming change in step scores and how it's going to become pass-fail. So I would say that it's going to become perhaps a little bit more challenging to actually come to the US, but it also makes it even more important to come for proper electives and to make an impression because ultimately that is basically how you're going to get your in. So much so that over here, when people go on on electives, they actually call them audition rotations because that's really what you're doing. You're auditioning for a role. Going back to my personal experience, I was interested in the field of dermatology on from an early stage. So I actually had reached out to a dermatologist that I had heard of and I asked her if I could do a rotating um, elective with her as early as my med one. Granted, I'm not saying that's the way people must do it, but it allowed me to start understanding how the field works, what clinical dermatology looked like in the US, and just to understand the scope of the field itself. Again, I'm not saying that you have to start that early on. However, what ended up happening through that elective is that I was able to make connections, I was able to make an impression, and I was later able through that to uh, get my Med3 and Med4 electives. What ended up happening is that I think it's very important for people to know when to say yes and to take opportunities, even if you're not necessarily very sure about what you're doing, you know, try something new, be confident and be bold. Um, I had the opportunity through these introductions that I made to come to MGH for a research elective. It wasn't even an elective, actually. It was just a research month. It was an unpaid experience or exposure between my third and fourth year. During that time, I led a project that um, my mentor really liked. He was the director of the center. What ultimately happened is that he wanted me to stay on and he offered me a job. I told him I can't because I have to go back to finish my med school. 
but that I will take him up on this offer and follow up in the future in case I do want to return for an elective. And that is what I did. Um, I made sure to stay in contact. I carried out the project that we had finished and I took it back with me to Lebanon. During my third year of med school, I finished it, I submitted the results and he recommended that I present it as a poster. So the story of what I'm trying to gather over here is that you maintain this contact and you maintain this relationship that ultimately they're keeping you in mind. What ended up happening after I submitted that, I moved on to my fourth year of medical school. And when it came time to find electives, I recognized that this was somebody who had seen my work, who knew my value and would be likely to support me. I contacted them again. I applied for a research elective. And through my research elective, they actually offered me a position as a research fellow. So this might not necessarily be the most traditional route. But what I'm saying is that if you make a good impression early on, it will make all the difference and you will have people rooting for you and people supporting you. So basically, yeah, I think in, in, in your case, this is like you made your connections early on and uh, that helped you be able to secure an elective and subsequently a research uh, position afterwards. But I think for the most part, right, some people, a lot of people actually at the medical schools in Lebanon apply in their end of their third year or fourth year of medical school for mm-hmm. uh, observerships or electives. So, uh, so Master, like, can you tell us a bit, like, what's the difference between an observership and an elective and why do we differentiate between both? So the four-week block that is done in the medical schools that is official, uh, offered by the medical schools in the U.S., and uh, there are like communications between the medical schools and, uh, all over the world, even and especially in the U.S., where visiting uh, students or students from the same school where they go to do these electives, and there is a program of what is expected from you. Uh, the observerships, on the other hand, they can be sometimes unofficial, and uh, it does not have to undergo a lot of vetting, and the student is not expected a lot to have a lot of uh, application process that uh, that's need to be done. In an observership, unfortunately, what happens is the, the student, especially if he's coming from outside the program and doing it there, he does not have a lot of authority or uh, autonomy in his work. Uh, he has to be always supervised by an attending, and he cannot even examine people on his own. Uh, he has to examine the patient always under supervision, and probably he won't be able to have uh, access to medical records or the OMR. So it is a little bit more limited uh, than an elective. Uh, whereas an elective, it is more uh, organized. Uh, it is uh, you, you apply for it ahead of time, and you get like an ID, and you become part of the team. Officially, like you are a medical student working in that medical school that you are doing the elective at. So there is advantages of doing an elective and being more autonomous on the on the team than than being an observer. And uh, so an observership also can be unofficial, and you can be an observership, uh, and somebody invites you over, and like uh, an attending who has a clinic somewhere and tells you you can be an observer on my uh, my clinic, and you'll be head to head with him. And he can offer you uh, probably a recommendation letter in the end, but you will not be doing anything on your own, for example. And uh, so that is basically the main difference. An elective will be a little bit better, but still you can still have uh, the opportunity in an observership to leave an impression. Uh, You can uh, see patients with supervision. You can uh, meet people. You can ask for a letter of recommendation. So it, 
it can still be an opportunity that uh, can be fruitful in the end for your uh, residency application. Yeah, my experience, and I ask you both to what's easier, my experience uh, or my knowledge, observerships may be easier to get uh, than electives because it does require you to get malpractice insurance and a lot of places don't want to deal with that or if they want to deal with that, they will have to pay a certain sum of money uh, to be able to do that elective. So Nisreen, in your, in your experience, knowing also your friends and medical school, uh, was it easy for them? Like, is there a way or is there a connection between your medical school and medical schools outside of Lebanon to help with that? Number one. Number two, uh, was it easy for them to secure electives or observerships in the U.S.? So that's a very good question. And I think the times have changed significantly since I graduated. There is much more communication going on. From my personal experience and the experience of my friends, there was a lot of complexity at the time for several reasons, um, including the fact that lots of places um, have special rates. So they actually charge you for coming in as an electiver. And they had specific rates in terms of how much you would be expected to pay to come. There was there were sometimes issues with transparency, sometimes some of my friends uh, would get accepted for an elective and then they would receive an email later on saying that, you know, they were bumped for somebody else. So at the time, they did have significant complexities and difficulties in actually securing something. At AUB, I know that uh, the dean's office does make a significant effort in supporting students. So I think it's worthwhile for all students from all universities to reach out to their dean's office and ask if there's a list somehow of previous graduates who are now either doing research somewhere or are um, have previously received electives somewhere or who are residents or attending physicians at a center because those warm connections would somehow allow more facilitation to enter and introduces the barrier to entry. There are a few or a handful of programs that you know have a predilection for liking certain students from given universities because they know the quality of the students that are coming in. So what I would recommend is to definitely reach out to your dean's office and even reach out to people who are a little bit older than you are and who have graduated. I know that personally in the last couple of years, I've had several people reach out asking me if I knew of people. I obviously am not the gatekeeper, but at least I can direct them to people who would be more supportive than I am or more capable than I am. Yeah, so part of it is basically reaching out to some of the people you know in the United States uh, to do this. And uh, Samer, so once once they, they come to the observership or the elective, I know it's hard, like I remember my experience very, very long time ago. Uh, it's, it's hard like to ask, to work with somebody as an observer for a couple of weeks, and then it's hard to ask them for a letter of recommendation, which I think is important because it's always we all, and at least that's what that's what we've been told. I don't know if it's true that it's important to get a letter of recommendation from the United States to help you with the match process. So, one, is it important? Number two, how do you ask for that letter? So, yes, I think it is uh, a great opportunity. You put all this money and all this time to go to the U.S. and do an elective there and probably you're leaving a good impression, you have to uh, take this opportunity and ask for a letter of recommendation. But, uh, but make it a point that early on in the rotation, that's what people probably don't know about that, is that you inform the attending that you are working with. Mm -hmm. You plan to do residency, for example, in the US, and that you want to earn a strong letter of recommendation. This, at least, makes the attending take more interest in you 
than he would uh, if you ask him later on in the rotation. And usually you have to uh, know one thing, that if you do a four-week block, most likely you're going to work with two or even four attendings. Sometimes uh, the attendings do one week uh, on the rotation, some, but most of the time they do two weeks, for example. You're lucky if they do four weeks or unlucky if, uh, if you don't get, they get along. Uh, it's uh, the best scenario is to have two week blocks with an attending. So I would, uh, from day one or day two, I would uh, make sure that to inform the attending that I would like to uh, earn a strong letter of recommendation. And at the end of the first week, you probably want to get uh, feedback from the attending. Like, is there anything that I can do to improve? Do you think I'm doing a good job? Uh, is there anything that you like me to do to uh, to be better on this rotation or to improve my skills. And that also gives you what is the expectations from the attending. And it will give you like a good feedback of what you can improve in one week. At the end of the rotation with the attending, probably you should thank you, tell the attending like, thank you for teaching uh, and uh, all the teaching that you provided me this week. And uh, I would appreciate any feedback and I would like to know if it is possible that you write me a strong letter of recommendation for my residency. And uh, if they say it without hesitation, you should use that letter for sure. Like if they tell you, yes, I would love to write you, you did a great job and I will do it. You can take the even the risk to uh, waive the right to see that letter and uh, put it in your ERAS application. Which, uh, which is a good question as you're continuing. So should, should you waive the right to see the letter or should you not waive the right to see the letter? Oh, that's a million dollar question. It's like the lottery. It's, uh, it, uh, some people, uh, I do know that because when I was a chief resident back in uh, Syracuse, we did, I attended those uh, meetings where we chose applicants. The letters that were waived, the, the right to see them, took uh, more weight on them. Okay? That doesn't mean that the other letters didn't. Mm -hmm. So, yes, waving, uh, it shows that the attending uh, will be writing more freely. And if you know that you did a good impression, and if you know that this, this attending is going to write you a good letter, yes, I would waive that right. Okay. And you could ask, make some research, like you can ask the residents you worked with or students you worked with, on the, or the fellows, actually, who have very good connections with the attendings. Uh, I'm talking in terms probably in internal medicine now the, where there's fellowship. There could be also residents and surgeons. Uh, if they tell you that he writes a very good letter, you're probably, the, I think uh, you can take a good risk in waiving it. Some people don't want to take the risk and uh, they are going to get more than four letters maybe. And they would like uh, uh, not waive the right to, uh, they want to see the letter. Uh, I remember that I saw the letter, for example, when I applied for my residency and it was a great letter but uh, it gives me reassurance that it was it was a good letter and, and uh, yeah. i don't know if you have a choice even because by the time you uh, leave uh, because he is gonna you're not applying to the eras immediately uh, so you might uh, do the elective and apply to the eras like uh, a year later that mm -hmm. attending may forget who you are so uh, so i'm not sure if it's gonna stay uh, it's probably uh, he probably will give you a letter that is uh, not sealed, and you have to you have to see it. For example, right, right. I think it's a good point to let the attending write you the letter on the spot, approximately without a date initially, 
exactly. because uh, because I've, I've had I've had people before ask me for letters like one year after they've worked with me and I don't even remember who they were so I can't mm-hmm. write a good letter for them and before I ask I'm going to ask Nisreen uh, the, the question now is how was your experience uh, asking for a letter of recommendations Honestly, it was very, it was a good one. I didn't find it awkward or uncomfortable at all because I feel like having maintained good relationships with the people that I was working with and that I shadowed or that I had my electives with was made me confident enough to know that they wanted what was best for me. And that's another thing that I wanted to highlight. Finding someone who thinks that you're good is always nice, but finding someone who wants to take you under their wing who wants to be a mentor, that is really unbeatable. If you are able to find somebody who you know is vested in your success, you can without a doubt conclude that this person will go above and beyond, not only in the letter that they're going to write you, but in all the different subsequent steps that are just equally as important, by the way. I don't think that's within the scope of what we're talking about today. But when you think about matching and applications, it's not just about the strong letter. There are occasions, especially in competitive fields, where you want people to make those phone calls for you. You want somebody who's going to really push for you. And those are the people who know you well. When it was time for me to look for, to ask for letters of recommendation, um, I reached out and I asked other people in the field, you know, what is the most important type of letter I'm getting? Is it from someone in my home program who knows me well? Is it someone I shadowed a while ago? Is it going to be somebody who um, I did research with? And they said, pick at least one person with US clinical experience, if not two, because you get three or four letters depending on the application um, field and you know what you're going for. And make sure that at least one of them knows you very well. Um, you don't want a generic letter. Follow up, ask early. I remember that when I asked, I asked two or even three months in advance Because most often, and this was a follow-up ask, by the way, just to go back to what Samir was saying. I asked very early on. They knew that I was applying. Ask early because there are going to be instances where there are delays that are unexpected, where people will forget, and where people don't want to be pushed at the last minute. So adequate follow-up is always good. And yeah, and, and, and I agree. And I'm just going to add one thing uh, with the sure. wave, wave that I see the letter. One mistake I think sometimes people do, which I don't like at all when people ask me for this, they would, they would be like, please, can you write us a letter and put on it that we waive the right to see it. And then they ask you to send them the, le- the letter and see it before you send it in to ERAS. And typically I tell them, no, I'm not going to send it, but that leaves a bad taste with me. Yeah. That this is not, not a very appropriate question. So when you ask somebody to waive the right to see the letter, then you waive the right to see the letter. You don't, you also, don't I just want to add one thing. Be very careful. If you're waving this, you want to know that the person who's writing it actually knows you well. I have classmates who didn't wave the, the, the right, and it was actually in their benefit because the person ended up writing the wrong name. They spelled their name completely incorrectly, and she was a, a female, and he wrote it as he. So it goes very badly at times if the person who's writing it for you is doing something generic and doesn't know you well. Yeah, and a question for for both of you. So, Samir, like, if I think I think also it comes up. I've seen people do this before. So, you work with someone as an observership, let's say, mm-hmm. and then should you ask them, or how how do you try to stay and work with them after you leave? Like, stay, stay, leave the connections, 
uh, with them, what are the best ways to try to leave the connections with these people after you leave that observership, just for them to keep knowing you and help you out later in the future? Okay, uh, so for example, if somebody comes and works with me and they usually would try to ask you if there's any research that they want to work in and, uh, uh, or if they are interested, the, the important thing is for you as an applicant, you know what you want, okay, and you have the time to do it. I mean, do not ask just for the sake of asking and to, I mean, the elective is probably enough time to leave an impression. But if uh, you want to keep in contact with this person, the fact that you tell them that I want to apply here, if they take uh, IMGs, I would be very interested in applying here. What, what are my chances? And if you see any kind of uh, positive response from him, he will stay in contact with you. You can stay in contact with him. Don't forget that you are one of many. You could be like Nisreen, for example, unique person who worked and, uh, and uh, left a very great impression, but uh, it's, it's not always the case. So um, if uh, you have interest in this particular attendings work and research and you're willing to do it, put the time and research later on before you're applying for residency, uh, I would stay in contact even if he does not have that, but you're interested in that field, he can put you in contact with people. And then you can start the process of uh, contacting other people to find opportunities for yourself. And, uh, but I don't know if I answered your question correctly. Is, is, was that... Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So Nisreen, do you, do you agree? I agree. And I'll add a couple of thoughts and perspectives. Yeah. I think that it's very important for you to be very genuine in your approach don't try to sugarcoat things. Like Samir was saying, know why you're doing it. Know what it's, uh, how it's going to benefit you. And don't overpromise. You know, just be very genuine in your approach. If you enjoyed working with the person, you can say, you know, I really feel like uh, this was a wonderful experience for me. I would love to come back if you would have me. Or if you have any recommendations for me, this is exactly the type of work I'm interested in doing. Just be honest and be, be pleasant. You know, don't, unfortunately, there are certain instances where I've seen people who have a little bit too much of an ego when they approach things, making it sound like, you know, you would be so lucky to have me. Oh, that's fine. It's good to be confident. But approach um, whoever you're talking to with humility and make it clear that what you're looking for is mentorship and a collaborative approach. That's already a very important thing to consider. Right. Also, don't just seek research opportunities to work with people just for the sake of doing something and filling a gap. You have to understand that eventually people are going to ask you what the purpose of every single thing you did was. It's not a matter of interrogating you, but people are going to be genuinely curious about your story when it comes time to apply. So when you tell them, I worked with this person on this project, they might ask you why, what is it that interested you? Uh, tell us a little bit more about your, your, your thought process when you were doing this. So make sure it fits well within your story. And don't just work with anyone because it's available. Consider the long run, consider the long game. Is this going to further your career? Is this going to help you get into this residency program? Are these people even going to offer you one? Uh, there are several programs where they take IMGs for research fellows, but they will not offer you an elective or they will not offer you an interview even, or sometimes they'll offer you a courtesy interview, but not. it's not gonna go further than that. So know where you're going to play your card and know what the value added of what you're doing is. Are you trying to get a good letter from a high, reputa a high reputation institution? 
or are you trying to actually match there? Figure out what you want. And as Samir said, when you know what you want, that is when you approach people and ask for things. Excellent. And, and I think one other thing we, uh, we did not discuss is also not only your relationship, I guess, with your mentor. I don't know if you both agree with me, but also your relationship with the residents, fellows, and students Definitely. with you is probably important, right? Definitely. Because people are going to ask them, there's a lot of 360 degree, 360 evaluations where people would ask them, hey, did you like this person? And if it's happened to me before, you get somebody for an observership. Uh, when I was at IU, we used to do it. You get somebody for an observership, and then I always ask the residents, the nurse practitioners with us, whether they like that person or not. I think that makes a big impression when they want to write a letter. If everybody says, oh, we love this person, that makes a big difference. Somebody says, you know what, this person, we hated them, or they were very inappropriate or they did not click very well with the team, then you either don't get a letter or you get a very bad letter, which will reflect on you afterwards. So which brings, brings me to the next question, which Nassim just brought up. So should people do observerships or electives in places that subsequently offer positions for uh, international medical graduates, or should they just do anywhere they get, even if if it's a place that will not that they know will not match them eventually, uh, I think it. Uh, I don't know if the question is for me, but uh, yes, I think it is. For both uh, of you, uh, yeah. Both both ways can uh, could be have their pros and cons. Okay, uh, working in a place that does not take IMGs is okay because you are getting a good uh, experience, most likely. Uh, usually, those are bigger programs, but not necessarily. As long as you are working with a, a team and the elective is really respectable and you're, uh, you're working with uh, somebody known and they can give you a good letter, uh, that would be a very good opportunity uh, to, uh, to complete that elective. And you probably won't get a chance to do that again. And you never know, they might remember you later on when you apply for a fellowship because they might take IMG fellows, for example. Uh, I think it is okay to do it in a place where they do not take IMGs. Uh, in a place where they take IMGs, uh, yes, it, or, but you, uh, you may have no chance of getting there because they prefer uh, uh, American medical graduates over IMGs. It's still a very it's a good opportunity. Uh, things change over the years. Uh, you might leave a very good impression that you might work with a program director and he, you might open the way for other people to do it. And uh, so it has it started from somewhere, for example. Uh, we like uh, some schools, like uh, people from Lebanese universities, some programs like people from UB, from some from USG, so it is. Uh, it is because of uh, experience they had with electives, maybe, and then with residents from those programs. So I think it doesn't matter a lot as long as you learn first of all, get a good experience, leave a good impression, get a good letter, and uh, also an elective is graded, uh, so mm -hmm. it is uh, still part of your curriculum at home. So you need a good a good grade from that. Sreen, what is your experience? I would agree with Samit, but I'd actually add a couple caveats to that. I think that, again, it depends on the long game. It depends on what you're looking for. If you're applying to a field, which we know it's not, it's not any biases, but there are some that are historically more competitive than others, some where you know, an elective is not going to be sufficient for you to actually get in 
um, thinking things like ortho or ENT, you know, you're going to want to have repeat exposures to them. You have to think ahead of time, what is it that you're trying to get out of this? For lots of people who are applying into um, IM or PEDS, having exposure in the US and having good clinical exposure and a good letter, in any case, if they are a good student, they're going to receive a good number of interviews. So where they do their elective, whether or not these places are going to interview them or offer them positions may not necessarily be very um, relevant. So as Samir said, you know, as long as you're getting good experience, good exposure, you might get a good letter out of it. It doesn't matter if they're going to take you or not. If anything, having a big program, a big name program that may not consider you, but that will write you a good letter may actually be to your benefit. However, if the opposite is true, if you're going for something that you recognize as very, very competitive and that you know ahead of time that your way in will be through a fellowship, for instance, or like a research fellowship, and you're going to have some interim exposure, you, you first need that step to actually get to them. So you may start thinking ahead of time, what are those programs where I'm more likely to make a connection with people where they will like me and be interested in offering me an interview? Because for certain positions, interviews are going to be more limited for certain fields. So I would say that if you are applying to a field that you believe you're going to be a competitive applicant, you believe that you're going to have sufficient exposure and you have good chances of matching, whether it's at that program or another, then it doesn't really matter if they're going to take you or offer you a position later on. If you are going for something that is a little bit more competitive and you understand that the stacks and the, you know, the, the the likelihoods are against your favor, you might want to be a little bit more strategic about where you go. And, and I'm going to ask one hard question to both of you sure. right now. Let's see if you can answer it. So in these days of financial distress and collapse in Lebanon, mm -hmm. uh, people may not be able, because I, I know we used to do like two uh, electives, I know it's still the same in our fourth year medical, uh, fourth medical year at the AUB, but probably in other universities too. But let's say your parents can only afford to send you for one elective or observership and you get accepted at a program that takes IMGs uh, and also you get accepted at another program that uh, is very well known but does not take IMGs. So Samer, what would your choice be? Would you, would you go to the program that accepts IMGs or, or the other program? Well, it depends also, like Nisreen said, like uh, you have to check what your goals are, like uh, especially like I may be biased always of, uh, in regards to internal medicine or the, the non-surgical residencies, which are a little bit less competitive because there's more positions. Uh, so if you think that this program uh, that would take IMGs is going, it's a strong program, First of all, if it is strong and there is a chance that you can get there, I would take that, uh, I would do the elective there uh, if you think that it is worthwhile. So I would say before thinking about which elective, you have to really stop and think about who you are as an applicant. It's not trying to you know, shame somebody for their grades or their standing or where they are. But you have to understand that ultimately, it's not just about the place, it's about you as an applicant and what your fit is like. If you think that you are an extremely competitive applicant with unbelievably high scores, and actually the scores aren't even going to be relevant soon, and you really think that you have an excellent package, that you're, you're not going to have difficulties in accessing residency in the future, then why not go to the place where it's going to be a big name program? Ultimately, you know, if they give you a good letter, as long as they give you a good letter, and you know, you're going to have something to show for it, 
you're going to have good clinical experience, go for it. If you, know, you really reflect and you realize that you're a modest student, that's the thing. Med school is tough, residency is tough, no judgment here. But if you really recognize that you're going to have trouble, don't push yourself and stretch yourself then to, to prove something to, to whom, you know, to go to a high name program where ultimately it's not going to give you a step in the door. Instead, be a friend to yourself, figure out what works for you and go to the one where you will have a chance. And there's nothing wrong with that because ultimately when you're done, you're going to be trained, you're going to be excellent and you're going to practice. So it doesn't matter where you did that one month of your life when you were met for. What would you do, Khalil? <laughs> I think it's I think the hard question I would answer, like Nassine, I think it depends on what I'm applying for. And, and let's say if I'm applying for a very competitive specialty, I might go to a program that's very well known to get good letters from that program. If I'm applying for a not so competitive specialty, and let's say I want like less competitive specialty, like uh, family medicine or pathology or something like that, I would go to a program potentially that could match me too. I mean, it, it depends, I think, on, on what your goals are in mm -hmm. that case. You put me on the spot, I didn't want to answer that question. <laughs> so Careful so, what you ask if you're not ready to answer. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and finally, I think a couple more questions here. One is, uh, what's your advice for the students now? It's much harder with COVID to secure any observerships or electives, but students are still applying and they really want to come to the United States right now. Mm -hmm. So Nassim first, what's your advice to the students right now and how, how are they going to be able to get letters of recommendation from outside mm -hmm. Lebanon? So that's a very important question and a very interesting one as well. First of all, I would recommend to start thinking of things from a glass half full rather than a glass half empty situation, because similarly to students from Lebanon or other countries not being able to be granted access to electives in the U.S., most U.S. medical graduates and U.S. medical students are also not able to do electives other than at their home institutions. So, you know, think of it that way. You're already at equal standing. This might not be the answer that you were looking for. However, you have to start with that frame of mind and then think of other more creative ways. Things that I would recommend. Um, there are some programs right now that are doing virtual electives. It might not be in your field of study. It might not be in the programs that you're looking for, but this is something that exists out there for several programs. Some of them are even surgical. You know, you, it might give you the opportunity to have virtual grand rounds, virtual experiences and exposure, and just to be there maybe less formally. But you know what, think of it this way. It's also less expensive and you get to stay where you are. Another thing I would think of is finding other ways to, to, to put yourself out there including research at your home program. If you are able to have a poster or an article or something that you can uh, submit to a society, lots of those programs are now online. If you can put your name out there, lots of them have like Zoom, meet and greets, you know, meet people that way. Find a way, don't look at the problem, find solutions. Samir, what's your advice? So, yes, uh, my advice is like in everything else that happened during the past two years, uh, we have to adapt, you know, like Nasreen said, so we have to find new opportunities, new avenues. Uh, just be careful that uh, uh, the time is limited. Uh, you have to work early on this thing, uh, like especially if you want to do those, uh, those are limited opportunities. And uh, especially if you want to do research, 
uh, or uh, to uh, make or dedicate that time that there was an elective doing it an elective research back home or if you want to do it with affiliation with somebody else try to work on it very early ask people you know already that have done something similar or they can uh, uh, take you in and of course you're not going to receive any anything paid you're a student so you might be like a plus for somebody actually to mm -hmm. do some work so but these things take time and uh, you have to write protocols you have to write uh, uh, like um, proposals for these things mm -hmm. Uh, just plan ahead of time. Uh, we we adapted to many too many things. Uh, also, it is a good way to explore opportunities back home in your school. How you can improve your school you know, programs, school electives. Uh, uh, maybe those are opportunities to uh, help other students who are going to come after you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so uh, it could be a benefit and uh, like a blessing in disguise that you were able to discover something that you never knew that existed back in your medical school at home. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, it's very important to be very efficient and uh, uh, work early on. If your elective is coming in three months time or something, try to work on it as soon as possible. And uh, many things have changed. Uh, people are busier everywhere in the world, uh, in the States, in Lebanon. So you just have to be very uh, time efficient in these things. Right. And which brings me to the last uh, question of the day is uh, people are, a lot of people are asking this question right now. They, they're finishing medical school and then it comes to their mind. Should we come and do research, uh, one year of research in the U.S.? Or should we stay in our institution or some other institution in uh, our home country and do a one year of internship uh, over there, let's say? Uh, what, is, what is the best option, Samir? And don't, don't ask me to answer this question. No, I won't. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so the best option, again, uh, I'm going to repeat what Nisreen was saying earlier, is who who are you and what do you want to be in the future and what is uh, your goal what do you think is going to work better for you the lebanese medical graduating students tend to follow trends uh, like mm -hmm. uh, they at some point internship was the best thing to get back in our day like uh, five years later a research opportunity for one year it was the, like something that everybody wanted. But then again, uh, is it going to help you later on in what you're going to do? Uh, do you know what you want to do? Uh, like, for example, if you're going to apply for internal medicine residency, and uh, actually an internship would be a very great experience at any medical school now in Lebanon because of uh, uh, everything that's going on. Uh, and... Uh, that would give you a year of experience. And uh, you had an internship as almost uh, like a first year resident or second year resident. Mm -hmm. So that uh, that is something to think about. On the other hand, if like the competitive residencies like surgery um, or ENT or uh, those subspecialty in surgeries, uh, those uh, um, uh, even medical students in the US tend to do research for a while Mm -hmm. for a year, even two years even, before they apply for residency in order to, um, uh, to be competitive enough uh, that they are going to be in an academic program that is going to give them tenure later on. And so it's, it's really, uh, it takes a lot of planning. So now 
how easy is it to get even the research you know it's not uh, also there's not a lot of opportunities out there especially in this time uh, mm-hmm. with the covid a lot of things got canceled many programs have canceled their grants and they're not taking any research assistance so uh, it has become even more difficult but uh, many students have been able to get it so maybe they applied ahead of time uh, the visa situation i'm not aware of but it's still uh, from what i learned from the trainees pr- uh, group that uh, people are still getting visas or work visas or uh, for the research so it's not really a very complicated endeavor yeah i think i think what we're talking about too is, is paid versus unpaid research because mm-hmm. a lot of people want paid research positions which are even rarer Mm-hmm. And probably you need to have a CV that shows that you've done some form of research and you are of benefit to the person you're going to be working with for them to pay you for the research. So that's something maybe you need to work on to beef up your CV. So what do you think, uh, Nisreen, research or in, in, here in, in Lebanon? I know what you did yourself, but... Yeah, so this is a whole conversation in and of itself. So I will try not to dive into too much detail, um, maybe for another time. But what I will say is that there are pros and cons to both. As Samir said, there are certain instances where one is better than the other. You have to have a couple of things in mind. First of all, you have to think of your timeline. Second of all, you have to think about optics. I know some people from my year uh, who had spoken to their mentors over here, they had decided to go for research electives and they were applying directly. Their mentors over here told them, you know, I'm glad that you're in the US because when I'm thinking of people that I'm going to hire to come here, I want people who are not going to have trouble adjusting you are telling me that you are currently doing a program in your home country. What makes me so sure that you are going to come to the US, not have visa issues, be able to um, adapt properly, and that you've had proper and adequate experience and exposure to the US system that I can confidently say you're going to be fine. People don't want to have to hold your hand when you get here. The opposite might also be true. They might think, you know, this is somebody who is worth their weight, they have done their intern year, they're already well seasoned. So there isn't a cookie cutter response to this. It's highly variable. In addition to that, if you're thinking about your timeline, are you applying as an intern? Are you going to have adequate amount of time as an intern to either do Zoom interviews if they remain virtual or to travel to the US to do your interviews during that time? What is the added advantage of each of your options? And where are you going to shine more? Um, And in terms of research, I know that this wasn't specifically your question, but you were specifying a year of research. Depending on the kind of research you're doing, the field of study that you're in, whether it's bench work or clinical work, a year might be fine. A year might be not nearly enough. And if anything, it can even look bad because if you're going to come and you're not going to get any publications, you're not going to get any exposure and you're just basically coasting, it may look bad. Um, because then you have nothing to really show for it. So it might ultimately be better for you to do an intern year where you're sturdy and stable and you have something to show for it. If, on the other hand, the research elective that you, or the research position that you're taking is guaranteeing you significant exposure, a mentorship, somebody who can vouch for you, that's a whole different situation. So again, there is not a cookie-cutter answer to this. Uh, I wish it was easier that I could tell you, you know, this is a one-size-fits-all, but it isn't. There was something else I had in mind, but slipped uh if i think of it i will let you know all right great and yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna uh end it with one one more thing to just an example i know we've, we've heard the scenes example of success i think uh and the way she 
she did things to uh, come over here and get her positions. And hopefully she will be successful in getting her dermatology position, which is <laughs> even, everybody knows that dermatology is very hard to get into, but I think she's good enough that she will be able to do it. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. We'll see. So uh, you'll tell us, you'll tell us, uh, and uh, next year, maybe we'll, we'll update, uh, we'll update people. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I think I can give, I can give examples when I was at, uh, at LAU and we uh, worked with Indiana University to, to mm-hmm. send students and residents to do a specific elective in the ICU there. I mean, I think, I think it's important, like when the first student went, he uh, made a very good impression. And mm-hmm. so they were open to getting others to come in. So when you go there and you make a good impression, you don't only help yourself, you also help your uh, other uh, colleagues to come and do the elective there. And I think the other piece of success that I saw was that several of them were able to continue their connections, continue to do research, write book chapters with them. And, and even one of them was invited to moderate the session in the mm-hmm. American Delirium Society. So I think if you... If you keep your connections, you leave a good impression, then that will open a lot of avenues for you. Uh, any final pieces of advice from you both uh, to the students uh, who are applying? Work hard and be authentic. People will see right through you if you're doing it for the wrong reasons or if you don't know what you want or if you're trying to weasel your way through. So work hard, be authentic. Samar. Yeah, uh, keeping it in the electives, uh, I mean, you're, uh, all medical students uh, uh, know what hard work is and uh, make sure that when you're doing an elective that it is, you're paying a lot of money, you're doing it in a very short period of time, put a lot of effort in it. Uh, the word elective can be deceiving uh, sometimes. But, uh, it's like a free time for some people, but it is, uh, it's not for you if you're paying all that money and doing all this effort. Take the opportunity to prove who you are or take the extra mile and work harder even just to uh, leave a good impression for yourself for your resume for your uh, and for others like Khalil said uh, for the future i think if you want to summarize everything we we talked about today it would be start early make your connections early ask people you know to help you out because they might know people who will help you out to get an observership and elective. Ask your dean's office at the medical school because they might have already established connections that could be mm-hmm. helpful to you. And then once you come to the elective, make sure you work hard, make sure you work well with everyone and uh, make sure you ask for your letter of recommendation in the right way and don't be too pushy when you're doing that. So thank, thanks to you both. This was a great discussion. I hope it it will be helpful for uh, everybody who's applying in the coming uh, year or, uh, or two uh, to uh, come here to the U.S. and, uh, and pursue uh, the training uh, positions that they uh, want to get into. Thank you very much, Ms. Reen, and thank you very much, Samer. Thank you very much, Khalil, for doing this. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.